Okay, and we're live. Greetings, travelers, and welcome to Geronimo Draws Live. So for those of you who don't know already, I am a big, well, huge gamer, a passionate gamer, okay? And video games are very near and dear to me, and I thoroughly enjoy the immersive, escapist quality of games. So in this episode, I'll be discussing everything gaming with my special guest, author, Patrick Hickey Jr. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Thank you so much uh, for having me. Super happy oh. to be here. Hell yeah, man. I, I have been uh, dying to talk gaming on this channel, and you were the first person I thought of because what? you were the author of uh, the book series Mind Behind the Games, where you interview developers from different eras and genres, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what that's I do. It's killer, dude. So now you're on your, we were just chatting before, you said you're on your sixth or fifth volume? You're working on them right now? Yeah, I'm finishing my fifth book, which is The Minds Behind the Sega Genesis games, and I'm about halfway finished with The Minds Behind the Sony PlayStation games, which is... Ooh, dude. PlayStation. Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be a massive uh, catalog. <laughs> crazy. It's like every book I try and get around 35 to 40 games. Yeah. So hard to pick and it's like i pitch literally like a couple of hundred developers and i try and just cherry pick the best stories it's oh, it's hard tough. to for hard to like do all the legwork and the hunting and stuff like that so it's it's crazy so, yeah so now i mean they're all down right i mean when you interview them well real quick i guess uh tell everyone a little bit about the series before we get into it yeah so it's it's basically like a uh I'll, I'll just tell you what Brian Mazik from Forbes told me. He was like, the, he yes. read a chapter a couple of years ago and he was just like, bro, this is like an ESPN 30 for 30. <laughs> Each chapter is like, just like you telling the story of, of the game. And I'm like, yeah, you know, That's but it's awesome. There's so many video game books out where it's like the person's opinion. It's fueled by the person's opinion and mm. there's not a lot of reporting. So being a journalist for over 15 years and being a avid gamer and, and obviously collector, um, yeah. I was like, you know what? Let's take this to another level. Let's make it about the developers because, I mean, there's a huge mm. problem. Um, yeah. If I tell you, you know, who's in Goodfellas, you can name all the actors. You can name the, yeah. the director. The, you know, if I ask you who sings Thriller, you could tell me right away. Who wrote she, uh, Who wrote uh, Romeo and Juliet? You could tell me right. right away. But if I'm like, oh, who was the developer on, you know, Fallout 3? Hmm. you could have spent hundreds of hours playing it, but you don't know who the producer or the director or the programmer or the artist was. You don't know any yeah. comic yeah. books. We know artists, right? We know writers, you know, but for some reason, video games, the highest grossing form of pop culture in the entire world. We don't know. So, um, I started these developers in October of 2017, uh, 2016. Wow. Then just got, you know, the rest is history. That's fantastic. So now you you found how did you find a publisher that was willing to to do that and publish these stories of these developers? So what happened was uh, one of the books that inspired me. I'm trying to see if I have it around here. It's there. It's all the way over there, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, is uh, like the hundred greatest games, um, 1977 to 1987, written by Brett Weiss, awesome guy. Mm -hmm. Book, and I'm like, this is really freaking cool. This is some cool stuff. I could do something like this, but like his book was more like Leonard Moulton style, like short reviews of each game. Mm. I liked, but I was I love to interview people. I love to have conversations with people. So I'm like, I wouldn't I wouldn't review the game. I wouldn't say if the game was good or bad. I would just tell the story behind the development process mm. and try and to light. Like if it's an awful game, yeah. you'll still have 
appreciation for it because you saw all of the work that went into the game. You know, right, right. Um, it changes your perspective. Absolutely. So, um, Brett's been published by uh, Schiffler, uh, Schiller, no Schiffer, sorry, Schiffer mm -hmm. published and McFarlane. Um, and I saw McFarlane had a bunch of similar like gaming books. Hmm. Hadn't taken the course of action that I had, so I was like, you know what? Let me write like four or five chapters, um, and then send them to them. And if they like what they like, yeah. like what I send them, then then they'll be my publisher. If not, then I'll pitch other people. So I pitched them like four chapters on Thanksgiving of twenty, <laughs> and three days later, that Monday, Monday morning, they're like, yeah, we're down. But if oh you wow, yeah. Like, but if you want to do a book, like we need at least like 25 games, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, holy crap. How am I going to get 25 games? I ended up with 36 for the first book. Wow. The first book did super well. So then they signed me to a deal to do three more books, which is the minds behind the adventure games, which is mm. like, right. Um, the minds behind the sports games, which comes out next month. Uh, and the minds behind the shooter games. And mm. then, um, all COVID stuff. Um, I, uh, just decided, I decided right before COVID in January to do the minds behind the Sega Genesis games. Mm. And um, that book just completely took off. And I had like 35 games in like a month. Wow. Confirmed. Developers confirmed. And I was just like, you know what? I can write two books at the same time. Yeah. So, hell yeah. <laughs> the That's... PlayStation book. And then they said yes to that. So I'm writing both of these two books at the same time. Got It's all, it's all falling together, you know? So That's fantastic, man. Well, congratulations. I think Thanks. it's... I think it's incredible that these developers want to share their stories because clearly, look, they are the unsung heroes of this industry. I mean, especially when you hear the stuff, uh, the the controversy, when you hear how certain developers are taken advantage of and they're they're staying so late. I, it was a little bit with Naughty Dog I had heard, but I don't know how true it is. I don't I don't know enough of that stuff, but it comes out every so often where these guys are really just slaving and really, I mean, on every single game. Every game I've ever loved, there's crunch. You know, mm. um, yesterday I was editing the Genesis book and um, I was editing the Aladdin chapter. Oh, Genesis. God. And uh, David Perry uh, is the programmer. He's awesome. But he's, he's six foot eight and he's talking about how he, for most of the development process, he was sleeping in his car because it just didn't make sense to go home at night. Wow. You know, they only had like six months to make that game because they had to release it like the same time as the film. So it's like, yeah, every single game that you know, love, or even hate, there's been some crunch where guys have been working 20-hour days for... It's just part of the business, you know? Yeah, I mean, that I could I could relate a little bit when I have a deadline with Blood Realm, so... <laughs> so I get it. Uh, let me just say hi to everyone in the chat real quick. Hey, Pedro. Hey, Razmaz. Hey, Ara. Uh, hey, CJ. Uh, Sketchosaurus Rex. Ara here says, hi, guys. Patrick and Robert. Yeah. What's well, up, you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Awesome. Yeah. It, by the way, guys, if you have any questions uh, while we're chatting, let me know. And also shout out uh, some of your favorite games. That'd be really cool because we're going to get I, into that stuff. <laughs> I just jumped in the chat really quick and I see I got some, some of my retro game mafia um, brother. And uh -huh. Oh, like, awesome. It's a little community that I have on Instagram that I started to like kind of build awareness for, for retro games. And they're all great people that stream, that all collect and stuff. So. Mm. Whoever's in there, I can't see the name. I just see RGM. So thank you guys for, for supporting me. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. That's great. 
So, so now, how did you find the publishers? I'm, I'm sorry, not the publishers, the developers. So, I mean, obviously, it helps saying, you know, I'm with this publisher and, uh, you know, willing to interview you because, I mean, because I, I saw that you got John Tobias in, yeah. in your first book. And yeah. damn, man, I would love to talk to him because he is not only an incredible comic artist, because I don't know if people know this. He did Ghostbusters, real yeah. Ghostbusters, the comic book. Yeah. He's unbelievable. And he also was the co-creator of Mortal Kombat. And the father of the fatality. He was the guy that said, let's let's do something different for this game because we need something special to add to the end of like, you know, every match because right now it just feels like a standard fighting game. Um so the thing that helped me the most in the beginning, I mean, like I didn't have a publisher in the beginning. So like the the first right. probably like 50 pitches that I sent out, I was just like, guys, I, I'm trying to write a book if you could help me. And those people like I connected to the most because they were like totally taking a chance on me. Yeah. You yeah. know, but the thing that did help was before this, I had written at one point, I was the most read video game uh, writer on examiner.com when they were around and wow. uh, former editor at um, NBC. And I covered the last of us um, probably yeah. every gay game from like 2012 to two, uh, from 2011 to 2014, Sonic lost worlds, the last of us, God of war, Ascension guitar. Right. So it's like, and I run my own entertainment website, reviewfix.com, where I interview developers all the time. So I I definitely had a background where they, because it's the thing, these people's time is extremely important and they don't mm -hmm. want to waste it. I don't, yeah. I don't blame them. You know, so I, I, I think that the people that took a chance on me, just they, they sensed it, mm -hmm. um, that this was going to get finished. Because, I mean, I've spoken to developers before where they were like, are you going to finish this book? And, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I was just when I when I announced the PlayStation book, one of the first people that I reached out to was Scott Campbell. And Scott Campbell was the producer on games like Jet Moto. Oh, wow. Twisted Metal. You know, oh, man. Rogue Trip. Like, he's amazing. He's an amazing guy, you know, and um, we, we were just emailing each other back and forth. And my wife was actually like in labor. Oh, wow. And, and I was in the waiting room and I was writing the Parasite Eve chapter of that book. <laughs> on my phone and answering emails at the same time and asking my wife if she was okay because we had a COVID baby and I couldn't be next to her until like she was ready to go. Oh, wow. He was like, I could just tell from your passion that like you care about this. And I, yeah. I feel like that goes a long way. You yeah. know, I'll never be somebody to say, Oh, I'm the best writer. I think I'm a, I think I'm a super solid reporter. I ask a lot of important questions that need to be mm -hmm. asked. I'm not scared, but like, um, my passion like goes a long way. And I think that's what people pick up on. Yeah. And that's when I, that, that's what I think people, why people, yes. Cause I've had great luck, you know, yeah. up until the Yeah. That's, that's a key thing. And that even stands when, you know, people are creating, like even in comics, you can tell when someone doesn't have the drive behind it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like, you could tell when they're phoning it in readers can tell and all the, also the excitement. I mean, you know, you love this stuff and it comes through, you know, I love this stuff as well. So <laughs> it's, it's literally the best. So, uh, Sketchosaurus Rex says uh, early fantasy star was cooler than early final fantasy in art. Oh, interesting. In the art wise and probably in the booklets or something. Interesting. I miss those days, man. Booklets. Don't you miss booklets? Yeah. Oh, I was just, I just did an Instagram post on this the other day. It's like, you buy a game for 60 bucks and you open up a, a, a book and there's just like a cart in there or a CD and you're just like, wait, what happened? <laughs> we're talking about before the show, the Switch. Yeah. A lot of indie games 
that are released on the Switch that they make sure that they have an instruction manual in there. Mm-hmm. And I love stuff. like the Nicalis, um games from Switch, so like Tiny mm-hmm. Barbarian, Cave Story. Um, there's a bunch of them. Uh, let's see, I have way too many games. Uh, I miss those. I miss the booklets. That's the best stuff. You know, they have they have those instruction manuals. I yeah. And- too i've had conversations with developers before and they're like how the hell do you know who i am mm. and i'll send a picture of like the instruction manual with their name and they'll go holy crap and, like i was that kid i was that 10 year old kid that would read the instruction manual on um, i'm writing the story for a video game right now um and one of the uh one of our animators uh peepaw was a and still is he's an animator on overwatch oh wow and he messaged me to be on his podcast this was like two years ago and he was like is this patrick hickey the author of the minds behind the games and like right away i'm like is this pete Paquette who did gladius and uh bioshock infinite and he's like <laughs> how the hell do you know who i am so geeky i, I want to let all of the young people or people that want to get into like the industry know that like there's going to be a time in your life where you will be handsomely rewarded for all of that knowledge that people say is useless yeah gonna be a time when i remember when i was at nbc and mm-hmm. i was in general news and i was kicking ass but it was just like not what i wanted to do and i remember coming upstairs from rockefeller center with a copy of diablo 3 and um it was like the day at lunch and my boss was like you played the and it's like a 60 year old man <sighs> he's like you played diablo 3 i'm like i'm gonna play it tonight and he's like yo, yo later i'll give you my username and blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and it, it was like Pat, if you want to just write about video games and sports, you can. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in <laughs> I deserve this. I worked my for 10 years to get here. And I didn't want to write about like Robin Roberts and, and like <laughs> and like nonsense going on, like, you know, in the world and politics and Obama and Romney and stuff. I wanted to write about video games mm-hmm. and sports and stuff. And I finally oh, look at that. Keep that. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a community, you know. That's the one thing. It's like if someone knows you're a gamer, there's an instant bond right there because Absolutely. like, like you like you you get it, you know. And like just like that, oh, you got Diablo three. Like I'll give you my username because clearly, if for you to buy it, you know, we're on the same page on that level. Who it doesn't matter if we disagree in politics because we can agree on the world of Diablo and play. And that's that's the beauty of it. That's one of my favorite things too, because it's like I never have to ask you if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Right. I don't have to ask you your religion. I don't have to ask you your sexual orientation. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. I don't even personally care what you look like or where you come from. What do you play? Why do you play it? You know, why mm. does it matter to you? You know, that's why I try and tell people all the time. Like, that's one of the reasons why gaming comics is the same exact thing. You can mm-hmm. and be like Wolverine or Spider-Man. <laughs> and then just, you could have, you could literally have hours of conversation. Like, I remember one time, I was reading a Ghost Rider um, graphic novel on the bus coming home from the Staten Island Mall, going back to mm-hmm. Brooklyn. And it's one of my favorite Ghost Rider runs. It's the second volume with Dan Ketch and stuff. And this guy was just like, you like Ghost Rider? And I'm like, and I, we just had a whole conversation of how like Dan Ketch is so much cooler than Johnny Blaze. <laughs> this guy was like 30 years older than me. Like we had nothing in common but we had that in common video games do the same exact thing yeah it's the fandom man it just it brings people together like that and it's also nostalgic too you know at the Mm -hmm. same time so 
Absolutely. Let me just quickly get to some of the comments real quick. Uh, when you read Minds Behind the Games and the passion behind it, those people who took the chance really made a good call. Oh, awesome. Nice, JC. Bring Thank on the PlayStation book. <laughs> I can't wait for the PlayStation book. Like I'm sending I was sending pitches and questions out like right before this. Oh wow. That's great. Every day I just tackle like the, the I keep editing the Genesis book. I keep working on the PlayStation book. It's like an everyday thing. That's fantastic. Fantastic, mm -hmm. man. Uh, Sketchosaurus Rex again, the booklets and the in game art. Yeah, absolutely yeah, miss those booklets. And Pedro says, uh, oh, Grenadia 2 was a great RPG. Yeah, oh wow, absolutely. Yeah, that was a game, I, I believe. And that came out on uh, I think that came out on PlayStation 2 or PlayStation. Grand yeah, Games. yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah, so obviously, you know, I was gonna bring this, I don't, I don't want to get you irate. But uh, I was going to bring up the famous uh, Roger e uh, Ebert quote on how video games aren't art. And I could not disagree with him more. It just, it infuriates me because in my opinion, I mean, we, we're just going to get right into it real quick. Uh, <laughs> video games are a true cohesion and collision in a way of art and science. I love it. You know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is art. And in my opinion, if it makes you feel something like that, like it's not utilitarian, you feel something, in my opinion, that's art. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. You know what the problem is? And the thing is, I've been a college professor for 14 years. I teach mm -hmm. English, teach Same. journalism, assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. And um, when I let some of my coworkers find out that I was writing a book on video games, their response was, why video games? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it is because they, they grew up not playing games. They don't understand it. Mm -hmm. They'll never get it. You know, it's kind of like I love Dungeons and Dragons. Love D&D. I've played D&D forever. I get it. You know, when Stranger Things, the first episode of Stranger Things started and they were playing mm -hmm. D&D, I'm like, I'm going to love this show. You know, because like you're either in or you're not. And a lot of these people, these so-called like academics and smart people and stuff, they see cinema as like the universal like storytelling device and it's beautiful and it's this and that because it's been around forever you know mm -hmm. and i told them i told my coworkers, i'm like i'm not only writing books that are important now that people now that love this stuff will enjoy 50 years from now when every person that i've interviewed is dead oh and i'm like hanging on by a thread boop boop, boop. <laughs> my books will mean a lot more yeah and without a doubt. when you create art that's what you want to do you know so mm -hmm. video games are absolutely, they're absolutely positively art. So I yeah. completely. Yeah, with without a doubt, man. And you know what's so funny? Uh, I was just reading, I'm reading a book on uh, Tolkien. And uh, he was getting hammered by his fellow colleagues on why are you reading, why are you writing this ridiculous fantasy book? It's silly. You're wasting your time. Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. You know, you, you could be making something truly, you know, in the, in the academia. And like, I mean, wow, is he not laughing to the grave? <laughs> See, this is the thing, though, too. I joke around with a lot of my coworkers. It's like um, there's a big problem with most academic writing is no one reads it. Mm -hmm. No one reads it. You know, so it's like if you're an academic, if you're if you're a college professor and you're writing something that people are actually reading, you're kind of like the bad guy because you've got the best of both worlds. You know, so it's like my publisher is an academic nonfiction publisher. They see the historical value in what I'm doing, but they mm -hmm. also see it as a commercial product. You know, I have a I have a brand, you know, so it's uh, yeah. 
it's it definitely feels some of that uh some of that shade sometimes but <laughs> me too but the hell with them i want the shade it'll make me just shove it in their face <laughs> yep absolutely so uh jc says uh, the definition of art the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination video games are exactly that and more 100 percent. i couldn't agree more I, man. over here i like him a lot he's good <laughs> you're good yo you're good <laughs> He's very good. They most yep. definitely do. I've burned entire weekends stuck in front of the TV playing a game. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely. Uh, I have two kids, so it's like it's not happening. You know, <laughs> like if I if I can play for an hour, like when everybody goes to bed, that's like a really good day. Like I I can get like 15 minutes in here, 15 minutes in there, but like I I miss those days so much. I miss like the weekends where it was raining and it's like. Let's play Fallout New Vegas for eight hours and see what happens. Oh man, I miss that. <laughs> I miss those. And most of the time when I game now, it's for research. So it's like it's mm, it's different. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I read today though that uh, video game sales are skyrocketing. Uh, digital, mind you, mostly digital right now. Yeah. And we're gonna get into that because I want to know. I want to get your opinion on digital. Um, yeah. But they're skyrocketing during the pandemic, and I feel during this political turmoil, not just the pandemic, that. You know, we're inundated with all of this stuff on the phones, TV, online, and we need, we need, and I say this constantly in my live streams with the uh, comics, we need escapism. It's healthy. And Absolutely. I, I think video games right now are definitely uh, in demand for that because they could immediately just take you into another world. Absolutely. So, I, like I tell people this all the time. Like if you ask me when you were 14, what did you play? I could tell you, you know, it's like, I look at like, I'm, I'm surrounded by pretty much all of my games right now and my dog who's knocking stuff over. But, um, when I first started teaching my first year teaching fallout three mm. got me through my graduate school, fallout new Vegas, the beginning of COVID animal crossing my first, like my son, like all those late nights, the outer worlds, you know? So it's just like, there's, you know, 13, 14 years old, final fantasy seven, you know, so when I was at NBC, when it was slow, Pokemon Black, you know, so it's, yeah. No, without a doubt. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so funny when you think about certain, you associate certain games with the certain era, you know, or, or like a period in your life. Yeah, yeah. And mu music does the same same thing as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, but when you spend so many hours into a game, it, it literally feels like you are living the life of these characters. Absolutely. That you, you, and you interact with them where you feel like you know them personally, especially yeah. the really good ones. You know, I mean, like you could really connect on a deep level with them. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. I think, like oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Like I've had conversations with, with game developers and producers before, and they would like refer to the characters that they've created mm. by first name. Like, oh, we got Lara to do this. Or da, da, da. And I remember one time um, I was taping an interview that one of my writers was doing with Chris Claremont, who's like, you know, oh, my God. You know, and we're in his house and we're doing the interview and stuff. And he's referring, he's like, oh, you know, when the first time Logan met Gene and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yo, he's talking about these characters like he, like he fucking knows them. <laughs> but, but he does. Yeah. We do. You know, and video games are the same exact way. And I think the big knock on video games for a long time was that the storytelling ability wasn't nearly as polished and refined as comics, as movies and stuff. But if you play through like the last of us two, if you play through like all of these new games, 
like of like the last five to ten years, they've got they've got deep story. You know, oh yeah, their standard but, but, adventure now has so much more story than an adventure game fifteen years ago. But then fifteen years ago, you had these amazing RPGs that had amazing. I was just going to say, you have Final Fantasy, and for me, my, my first game ever, and I was going to ask this later, but my very first game was uh, Legend of Zelda um, uh, Link's... No, no, the second one. What's the second one? Two. Uh, two. A Link to the Past. No, that was it. A Link to the Past. Uh, huh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the third one. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's the third one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it came with the system, and uh, the story in that was unbelievable, and yeah. the world... I was just, uh, it, it felt so damn immersive. And I, I felt with the character's plight, with Link's plight, when I think it's his uncle that dies in the opening. And I was like, this is, this is real. This is intense stuff. And it's happening right in front of you, you know? It's, it, it, how can you say that's not art? You know? Right. Exactly. Stick to movies, you know? Uh, let's see real quick. I want to get back to the comments. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw a bunch. Oh, let me just catch up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So Shadow of Colossus is not art. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. A game is, in my opinion, one of the greatest achievements in games. I mean, not only do you feel for... It's funny, I was just talking about Link because he reminds me of Link in a way because he's silent. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, He's trying to save whoever this is, whether it's a, it's a sister or or lover. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, also, what was that? That's the best part too. We have like no idea what our motivation is, but you get so driven into it, you know. Yeah, it's great. great. You you feel it, and you also feel for the the creatures you're killing. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To to do that, where now you you kind of feel bad for the titans that are being slayed. Uh, it's that game is just total uh, huge influence on me in terms of even blood realm in terms of the world building because what i think was mm -hmm. so remarkable about shadow of colossus is that the world itself tells a story you know we don't know anything really about this world and how it looked before we see these magnificent ruins but my god what, what was it what did it look like when it was a time of decadence oh you know? yeah yeah that game was just so beautiful that like sometimes like i don't even want to fight i just <laughs> around you know, it's like Grand Theft Auto 3. Like, it's so sandboxy and so mm. cool and so interactive that, like, you don't even want to do any of the missions. You just want to, like, just hang around, you know? Oh, yeah. And you can't do that in a movie. Nope. No. Yeah. No. I, I can stick around for a while. I could just go, like, just ride. I can just ride and take the take in the landscape. Absolutely. It's like a great comic book panel that has, like, three or four different things to, like, point your eye to, mm. you know? But you just like kind of stop and you're like, wait, the bubbles here, they, they want me to read that. But what's that? That's really yeah. cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, heavy metal, metal Lara. Uh, how are you? Uh, how do you feel this? How do you feel the stigma of video games and comics affects creators? Like the Joe Rogan thing recently. I don't know the Joe Rogan thing recently. Yeah, do you know what you The Joe Rogan thing either. Somebody sent it to me the other day, but like I was super busy. Hmm. Um, so I didn't get a chance to watch it, but apparently he went on some like rant about video games. I don't know. So I like Joe Rogan. Yeah, but, me too. But it's like the same thing too. What's his face? Um, Bill Maher went on this whole entire thing one time that video games are for kids and blah blah blah. And oh. it's like it's like Bill Maher is funny at times, but like I would never ask him for advice about sex because he's an <laughs> idiot. That stuff. Like he's, he like like Chinese hookers and stuff like that. So it's just like. 
I like to look at people and be like, you know what? You're really good at that. And I'm going to tap you for that. We're going to have a conversation about that. But there's no reason for me to have a conversation with Joe Rogan about video games because part of my French, he knows shit about video games. <laughs> He's a big Quake guy. He loves Quake. I know. <laughs> You're like, that explains it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like, I love Quake too. I think Quake is a, you know, revolutionary first person shooter. But it's like, if you go to like somebody that like loves video games, Quake may, might most likely not be the first game that a true mm. lover of video games goes to. You know, yeah. I don't I, know. That's a good point. I, I I know what you mean. Okay, I love to hear so, what he he really said. But yeah, yeah I ha I have to check that out. So if anyone knows what they said and they want to, if it's not long, if you could explain it to us, let me know. Yeah, like. Uh, so uh, what are you playing right now? Or what uh, do you have to? What are you playing? Uh, the Outer Worlds on the on the Switch, which is basically base version of Fallout New Vegas. Ooh, um, I'm into that. It's really cool. Like um you're traveling to different planets and there's this whole backstory. Um, you can kind of do like whatever you want with your character. Um, it's save anywhere, which is what I like because it'll be like playing for 10 minutes, getting totally into it. And then my son, he's two months old, starts to cry. And then I got to save it and shut it off. It's perfect for that. Mm -hmm. um, always, always playing Pokemon, uh, always playing a hockey game of some sort. Um, I have an RG 350, which is a handheld like retro console. Oh, and nice. I've got like 20,000 games on it. Um, so I could pretty much play like whatever I want from like the Atari 2600 to the PS1. So What? I yeah. need this. Yeah, it's an RG350. Um, in the Retro Game Mafia, like eight of us have them, you know? And like I have one guy, um, Joe Joe Chatter. He's amazing in the Retro Game Mafia. Um, he, he bought it. And then sent it to me, and I I installed all the ROMs and set up all the con all the emulators on it for him, and I shipped it back to him. And he lives in England, so it's like it's just a really cool device. That's it's like my research device. Like if I'm talking to a developer, like uh, perfect example, I'm talking to the, one of the uh, producers on Jetmoto too. Hmm. So to get the PlayStation hooked up and stuff, sometimes it could be a pain in the ass, or sometimes too, like again, I got two kids, so then to use the TV, hmm. but with the RG, all I need is the ROM. And I could play it, and it's literally like that big. Wow, it's great. That's a it's an awesome console. So I gotta look into that, man. Oh my god, that's yeah, fantastic, so especially to have all of the retro stuff on one thing. Because you know, I feel like you know it's hard to get the retro stuff these days. Because like uh, Turtles in Time is like five hundred dollars the disc, not the cartridge rather. So I mean, that was one of my favorite games when I was a kid. So you know, if I could play it that way, that'll be fantastic. Oh as well it plays neo geo it plays like it plays it plays dragon's uh lair like it oh. plays everything it plays everything it's the only thing that it doesn't emulate that well is the nintendo 64 but like ps1 and down will play is like as you guys could see like i collect physical games i'm a historian i love this stuff but to be able to have it on the go and to be able to play it like when I need to in order to do research, it's like it's a one of a kind device. But then there'll be times too when I'm laying in bed, you know, trying to put my daughter to bed and she can't sleep, and I'll be like, "You want to play Mario Two for a little while?" And she'll go, "Okay." And it's it's got a screen, it's perfect, you know. So I'm gonna look into that, man. That's great. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So then, now, what do you do? You think everyone says this about games, and I don't know if I com if I completely agree. They're saying that VR is the future. Do you agree that VR is going to be the future of gaming? I don't know. 
uh, we were having a conversation about this on the Retro Game Mafia the other day about how like um, name like five must-have VR games. It's hard. Yeah. It's you know um, I remember playing uh, Resident Evil on VR um, at Comic Con a couple of years ago, and I was just shocked and amazed. And I was like 150 pounds heavier, and I was like covered in sweat, and I felt like I was gonna die because it was yeah. just so immersive. And then they were like, oh, well, you can play it just like with a controller. I was like, if they would have taken out like the VR, if they would have taken out like the ability to play it with the controller and it was just VR, I think I think Capcom would have really like set a standard of like what a VR game is supposed to be. But giving mm. the, the ability to play it like the classic way, I feel like they were saying that like the world wasn't ready for VR. Um, that was like four years ago. So I think we're in a much better place, I think. People are interested in VR. I think the PSVR is really cool. I think Oculus is really cool. I think we're still, though, like a good like five or six years away from it being like something that a lot of people have. But then the thing is, too, if you get too realistic, then it's not a game anymore. You know, it's like um, once we get to the point where like people would rather play like VR NHL than watch the real thing then it's mm. not like a video game anymore, you know? So it's just like, we're, we're coming to like a, a cross section. That's like, it's interesting, you know? And I think too, VR is cool because it, it's, it's more about immersion, but then also too, there's obviously like a pedigree on graphics. And right. I think that's, that's bad because the thing is that you can still tell amazing stories with eight bit visuals with 16 yeah. visuals, you know? So, it's like the new consoles that are coming out now aren't that much more powerful than the consoles that we have right now, but yeah. they're going to charge money. Yeah. You know, I love when people, cause people have told me, Oh, well the developers will have more room to tell stories. Well, if you can't tell the story that you want to tell now with the power that you have now, you probably won't be able to tell your story period. Wow. You know? Amen to that. How large, considering how large like call of duty, modern warfare is and how big some of these download files are. And how big, you know, how much you can fit on the on the Blu-ray, you should have no problem fitting everything, you know? Mm. Yeah, so. yeah, that's a poor excuse. You're right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's that's one of my uh, – oh, here, here's some uh, comments real quick. Uh, just, encur uh, just encourage more VR porn. I didn't see that in the technology. Get cheaper and better. Save the, uh, the virtual boy. Imagine. Imagine, mm. like, you know, some porn on this guy. Oh, like, I forgot that, about that. I forgot that, about that thing. You know? They could have put like that Demi Moore movie strip tease on there. Oh yeah, on that thing. That's when that came out, right? Oh like, my god. You know, you know, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of what they're doing for this quote next gen because first off, I don't know if you heard. Uh, well, you probably heard already, but I, so I own an Xbox One X. I love that system. It's incredibly uh -huh. powerful. Uh, uh -huh. The graphics look incredible, especially the ones that are Xbox X enhanced. It plays 360 games, which I'm a huge fan of obviously and original Xbox games. I mean, the fact that it could do all that was a huge, huge incentive for me. And what's hilarious is that now they're coming out with this. I, I can't stand the name, the Xbox Series X, which is so confusing, yeah. you know. But how to develop on it just Xbox Sex? <laughs> it's easy to it's easy to stumble at. No one's going to do that accidentally in a, at a conference. <laughs> Xbox, yeah. you got the Xbox X, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I got the Xbox X. <laughs> and now they're discontin they're, they're uh, discontinuing my system.
because it's too powerful. How funny is that? So they're going to keep the very original Xbox. I think it's the Xbox One S. And then they're, yeah. they're going to discontinue my model because what's the point of upgrading? It just goes to show you how this is not going to be that much different than, yeah. than the system I have. This the thing though too. It's like what the PS4 has been out for like what like six or seven years now, and and think of the think of the lifespan on the original NES. The original NES was basically eighty five to ninety four, so nine years. Wow. That that system like Wario's Woods was like the last game for NES in like ninety four. So it's like that they had nine years of like releasing games, and then I, if you think about like the uh, the PlayStation, you're talking like ninety five mm -hmm. to like what 2004 2005 so again like nine years this is like this is a little premature and then especially during like a worldwide economic impression you're going to ask people and these and this is the thing too you notice that neither system has neither company has confirmed what the price is going to be for their system because i'm going to go you know what 600 and then it's going to be like price is right like that one dick on price is right where like one guy goes 600 and then the other guy goes 599 you know <laughs> that's what's going to happen you know, and they're going to undercut each other. Mm. So, too, you've got PlayStation 5, you've got Xbox X. That's what I'm going to call it for now on. But that, but then you've also got like uh, Tommy Tallarico system that's coming out, the Intellivision uh, console that's coming out. Um, oh, you've got a whole, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's like oh, Stadia, in, right? Stadia is a thing. How do you feel about Stadia? I like physical games. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not ready for cloud cloud-based gaming you know because like what if you don't have any internet right. then you can and see this is the thing though too i'm older i just turned 37 oh my god i can't believe i just said that but like i play games to get away from people you know yeah. like I when i started playing street fighter on like ps3 and i forgot to shut like the online off and i'm playing like a one-player game it's like here comes a new challenger and somebody from like online jumps and i'm like get the fuck out of my game <laughs> Like, leave me alone. I just want to play. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge, I was going to ask, that's my next question was going to be, how do you feel about the online only stuff? Because Destiny, in my opinion, so Destiny 1, I thought was a huge, huge, just, oh my God. I don't know. Maybe it had to do with Activision, but that was just not at all uh, how it was advertised, all of it. And everything had to be online. If you're not online, you can't play the game. I'm not a big fan of that stuff. How do you feel about that? Like, I'll give you an example. So, like, two of my favorite games of all time. Mm. Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. Fallout 4, love Fallout 4 too. Because I can escape. We're talking about escapism, you know? Turn it on, go to the wasteland, kill some people, shut it off, have some macaroni and cheese, go back, kill some more people. It's great. Fallout 76 is like, it's yeah. all online. I don't want to play that game with anybody else. Like there are, there are games like Towerfall and like NHL and like sometimes maybe Minecraft that you want to play with other people. But then there are other games. Like I know a lot of people that um, love Red Dead 2. I love that game. I think that game is a, a huge, massive technical achievement. I think it's a brilliant story. I'm talking about the, on, the single player, not the online. Yeah, I, have, I, don't, I haven't touched the online. Absolutely. So some people will, they swear by the online, they love it. But like, for me, I'd be the type of person that go, no, you know what? I want to experience that completely by myself, mm. you know? And it's like, I remember when, um, when EverQuest first came out on the PS2 and, um, playing that online with people, that was amazing, but that's what it was supposed to be. 
So you put it in, or SOCOM, perfect example. You play SOCOM with people on PS2. Yeah. That's where you knew what you were getting into, you know? But um, yeah, some of these other games, like I like when they have the single player and the online, like completely separate from one another. When they start to do like a Street Fighter and they start to merge, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want to yeah. Do you think that has to do with with the the draw now for mobile mobile games? It's that, and then you know what it is too. Um, our generation. Oh, it's so scary! It's scary that I even said that. Um, we like to interact with people face to face, or have a phone conversation with one person. Yes. Text one person like at a time. Kids now that are like 14, 15, 16, they could go like 9, 10 text conversations at the same time. Their windows are all open. When they online game, I mean, if you listen to some of the conversations these kids have, they're talking about everything. They're talking about life. They're talking about school. They're talking about boyfriends, girlfriends, you know? Mm. So it's like they use gaming as like a, a source of uh, social interaction, which is great, but it's not the it's not why we, we played because when we played with people, they were with us on the couch. Oh, you know? right. That's what I think is going on, and yeah, like now you've got like crossplay where people go, pe people can play across like different consoles and mobile devices and all play at the same time, and it just goes to this is the way people, younger people now want to want to play, and it's just mm -hmm. different from the way you know we grew up playing, which is fine, you know, it's just you know it's not my it's not my cup of tea, so to speak. Wow, now that that's a really good point because now these kids are that's become their social interaction, so. Mm -hmm. Whereas the the N sixty four, in my opinion, was the one that that had the you know the, the four ports, and yeah. it made, in my opinion, I believe it made gaming uh, a social event now. Whereas it was kind of a solitary experience, unless you're playing Mortal Kombat, you know, on the SNES, and maybe you're, you're handing off the controller because you're doing a little tournament with all your friends. Mm -hmm. But now, you you know, back then it, w it was revolutionary because you had Goldeneye. And I remember yep. playing Goldeneye with my friends. I'm like, that's what we would do. We, we would go get pizza or something, and we'd go back home, and we would play Goldeneye all night. We'd have tournaments and everything. Absolutely. And now, now they're killing that because now they're they're forcing you to be online. And they're, you're right. They're really destroying that social interaction because now I can't go like today. Like, say, a young kid can't go over to their friend's house to play the game that they love. They have to play at, on, at home on separate TVs because there's no split screen. And I think that's I think that's a huge detriment. Oh, I miss I miss those times. Like my favorite wrestling games of all time are those Nintendo sixty four wrestling oh, games. Like, oh my god! And like playing a battle royal with four people still to this day. Like my sixty four that's right here. I have Virtual Pro Wrestling two, uh, <laughs> which is a, I have an English uh, patched ROM version of it, and I love it. And four four people at the same time, like you can't beat that. You could do that online now, but it's not the same thing. It's like playing next to somebody and hearing their fingers hit the controller, seeing them sweat, talking crap back and forth to each other. It's just yeah. like the missed. It's a missed time, you know. And a lot of kids now will never get to experience that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, let me see. I, I, I'm missing some of these great comments real quick. I got to get back. Take me back to N64 Goldeneye sleepovers. Hell yeah! yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. That was the best. That was the best, man. Oh my god. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, WCW. The hell yes versus NWO Revenge. That was my favorite. WCW NWO Revenge is actually featured in my upcoming book, The Minds Behind the Sports Games. I interviewed the producer, Sanders Keel, and he tells the entire story of how all of those WCW games came to the Nintendo 64. Oh, can you give us a hint? What's some of the stuff he says? 
Well, basically what happened was like the developer made WCW vs. the World, which is an awesome wrestling game on the PlayStation, but they had such a miserable time developing on the PlayStation that they, they never wanted to release on the PlayStation ever again. So then they decided to work on the Nintendo 64, and uh, they did virtual pro wrestling first, and then basically Revenge is a is a skinned is a reskinned version of that for uh, for the US, mm. and that's that's the best selling game. Revenge is the best selling wrestling game on the Nintendo sixty four. Really? It sold Mercy. It sold more than WCW World Tour, and uh, that just created it made Aki a household name. And then what <laughs> happened one day? Um, THQ, uh, Aki and THQ, they uh, they didn't have a deal with uh, WCW anymore because WCW signed with Electronic Arts. And uh, WWE lost their agreement with Acclaim. So then, without even missing a beat, WWE signs with THQ and Aki. So now the best w- WCW had the best show and the best games. And then in a matter of seconds, now mm-hmm. WWE has the best games. And then a couple of months later... WWE has higher ratings and it was just like the guard had been passed, but like those four or five games like uh, WCW NWO world tour, uh, revenge, WrestleMania 2000 and no mercy four of the greatest wrestling games of all time. Hands down. I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I tried SmackDown when I was young on PlayStation, but nothing felt like those games. They were just, they had a feel to it. They had a look to it. And yep. as crazy as it sounds, those felt more like again that social aspect where we would get you know four four friends and we would all just do like all tournaments and everything like that. Absolutely, um, I loved like No Mercy because you could the the character creation was creation. great. Yeah, I'm, to this day, like I have uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling too, and I've created like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, like all these guys, and they're in my game with like accurate move sets and stuff like that. So it's like I could yeah. have Penta Kobashi versus Daniel Bryan. You know, like a dream match. Whenever the yeah. hell I. Oh my god, that that is really the best. It really is. I miss that era. That was, and then of course, then you had uh, the, the the real big one was Mario Kart. I mean, that blew people's minds because again, that again, the 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 reinforcing the getting together in one room on one console, it, yeah. and it was huge. Nintendo so then, what... so many great things for the video game industry, forcing people to play uh, together. Yeah. Uh, even mm-hmm. like dude, revolutionary things like a lot of the Game Boy games and even Nintendo DS and Game Boy Advance games, you could play with a friend if you only had one copy of the game. You know, like that does that just doesn't happen anymore. Mm, yeah, you're right. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, the Game Boy and yeah, Nintendo. Uh, it, it's funny. For a while, people were saying, "Oh, eventually they're just going to be software company and they're not going to make consoles anymore." Do you see that happening? I, mean, I don't anymore with the Switch. No. I mean. Yeah. With the with the Wii U, I have the Wii U. That that was the last uh, uh, Nintendo system I bought. Uh, I didn't get the Switch yet, but uh, I, I'm just I, I still love my Wii U. I still keep that on because it plays all my Wii uh, original Wii games. You know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a big uh, I love Lycon Lycon games. Oh yeah. So yeah. House of the Dead two. You know what I mean? I have to yeah. keep that. I wish there was more Lycon games. Like it's and the thing is too. Like if you guys have ever played Blue Estate on the PS4, um, mm-hmm. it's a like that uses like the ps4 like as the gun right but i need the gun <laughs> yeah you need the gun but like i mean you could still there should still be more like gun games and there are no there's no more anymore like you know i miss those days i miss like you know more i want more guitar hero games i want more like gun games I want 
like another dance dance revolution there's so many things that I think it's a testament to what you're saying on you know the market right now. Well, I well they made the market that way where now it's not to get together in your house. They want you all to play, you know, separate TVs and have separate subscriptions to your online. You know what I mean? So I I think that's all a factor. So, uh, I want to get into now. What do you think? Well, all right. What should I say? What are the most important games? Or what are what are your favorite? games what, what would you say your top five do you have a top five Ooh, it changes. it's tough <laughs> yeah, it changes a lot um pokemon red definitely mm. um i think it's one of like the most compelling like 8-bit rpgs that you could ever play you know the gameplay like i mean i played pokemon red and blue so much that like the timer stopped working at 999 hours and 59 minutes you know um what that game did for me in terms of competitive play against other people, the story, the customization, loved it. Still love it to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, NHL 94, uh, probably the greatest hockey game of all time. Um, the advent of the one-timer, it changed hockey games forever. I wish there was fighting mm-hmm. it, but whatever. Um, Wayne Gretzky, 98, remember that one? And yeah, yeah, in 93, NHLP 93, yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, RBI Baseball. Uh, to me, that was that was the first game that I ever like truly fell in love with because we're talking this is a baseball game in 1987, 1988 that had all the real players. Oh, wow. Like before that, I loved like bases loaded and little league mm-hmm. baseball, but these were all like these were great baseball games in terms of gameplay. Yeah. RBI had great gameplay, but it also had real players. You know, so that RBI baseball is another game that's featured in the minds behind the sports games, like being able to speak to, like the producer of that game. Um, was pretty cool so um so rbi baseball um nhl pokemon fallout 3 fallout new vegas like those two like super immersive first person shooters slash rpgs love them to death um if i had to pick like one more to like round out like a top five um just because of my age um if i didn't discuss like final fantasy 7 or final fantasy mm-hmm. 8 you know like those two though that those two games in that little like era um were just amazing like um final fantasy 7 was great because of uh the materia the the ability to like customize your character in so many different ways it had a great story it had a great score but like the materia element was super awesome and then like final fantasy 8 i think is one of the prettiest games on the ps1 ever mm-hmm. and i think this still to this day are absolutely beautiful like the first time you see renoa in the ball like she's beautiful you know, and you're just like, oh my god, you know. So, yeah, that that would probably be like my my top five. That's a good top five. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, oh, re- re- real quick, let me. Uh, did you ever play House of the Dead Overkill on the original? I, oh my god, I love that game. I have it right over there. I love like the. Yeah. It's got like Frank Miller kind of thing going on with the black and white, and then like the splashes mm-hmm. of color. I love it. So. Oh. That game is absolutely incredible. Oh, and we have Ryan Wynn, alternate creator here. Hey, yo, Splin- oh, Splintering. He was saying hi to Splintering. Sorry. Uh, hey, gang. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> What's up, Ryan? Yeah, talking games. And again, guys, uh, you could talk about some of the games that you love too. Uh, what are your top games? What are you playing right now? So my number one game that really, like, uh, I think in terms of storytelling, uh, Metal Gear Solid just blew me away. And I loved loved you know super nintendo era when i was a kid um mm-hmm. i was i was a big fan of batman returns 
uh, the game. That was one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, like I said, Link's Awakening, Mortal Kombat. But when I played Metal Gear Solid, um, the attention to detail and the script and uh, the the lingo he used. Uh, and I was so invested in this badass character, Solid well, Snake. I, I mean, in it right now, we're like on the intercom, the way this looks right now. <laughs> you're right the codec <laughs> yeah you know but yeah absolutely i i remember like the the first like 10 minutes of metal gear solid oh. yeah the, my, my one gripe with metal gear solid is it's so cinematic mm -hmm. like again it's so cinema driven in the beginning where it's like i feel like peter griffin from family guy like when he's watching uncle vanya like somebody throw a goddamn pie already like <laughs> It's like The Last of Us. When you first start playing Last of Us, you're you're thrown right in the middle of like all the craziness right in the beginning. And Metal Gear Solid is such a slow burn. And the thing is, though, you're paid. You get you get what you want by the end of Metal Gear Solid. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. But it's so different from like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, where like as soon Which as is... you just start off, you're in the castle, you're killing shit right away. Metal Dude. Gear Solid wasn't for everyone, but it was beautifully done. Oh. Like I said, what it did for cinematic storytelling and gaming can never be can never be denied. No, it, it can't. And the acting that was the other thing. It was the voice acting was fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and obviously, the other the other game I always think of in terms of script and um, uh, script and world building, uh, Legacy of Cain. Uh, oh yeah. In my opinion, you just take those voices and you just slap some animation or a remake. Don't even touch the voice tracks because oh, yeah. it's unbelievable. And the, the music also with Metal Gear 2, both of them had incredible scores. And I think it's fascinating to see the evolution of games, how the technology is moving so fast. It's I just unbelievable. I talk like, um, like a week ago to a bunch of young game developers and because uh, I'm a voice actor in the video game industry too. And uh, oh. I was just, I was telling them how important like a great, lead character how how a great voice for a lead character can change can change a game entirely you know and how a great score could change a game entirely you know so totally oh. totally agree oh this is great yeah psycho mantis did a number on me pedro oh man that that was the other thing about metal gear where i remember being terrified when when the characters were talking to me directly and reading I, Reading my memory card I was like, oh, you like Castlevania, I remember. And I was like, whoa, I got to turn this off. This thing is possessed. <laughs> like that, that was unbelievable. All those little touches, you know, it's like when your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever remembers, you know, something that you love that you only mentioned like once or twice. Like if a game can do that, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, you could tell these guys had fun with the medium, you know, Absolutely. and 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 that's a big thing, you know. And so then one of my other favorite games is uh, Max Payne Two. I love the fall of Max Payne because I'm a big fan of film noir and stuff like that. And again, the voice acting, the gameplay, the slow mo, because it obviously came out during the time of Matrix and all that. But I think Max Payne is an unbelievable character. I interviewed the the team that did the first Max Payne for my first book, and uh, oh my the writer, the guy that wrote the story, um, Sam Lake influenced by yeah by noir and by um what's it called um oh my john god john wolf films john wolf films i know 
and also um, Norse uh, Norse mythology. Really, heavily enforced by heavily influenced by Norse mythology. And if you if you go over some of the story in the first game, there's a lot of like Thor going on in there. I'm telling you, there's a lot of crazy symbolism for Norse mythology in the first game. That's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, man, I can't wait to get the book because uh, uh, I'm like, I got time now. It's pandemic season. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's time to read and all that stuff. By the way, guys, I have uh, the link to his book in my description. Uh, you have the first couple of volumes up there already, right? They're available? First, uh, the minds behind the games and the minds behind the adventure games are, are available now. Um, you can go to patrickhickeyjr.com forward slash books and purchase them right now. Um, and then sports is coming out very soon. Shooter, we just released the cover. That should be out by like Christmas time, the beginning of the year. And then I'm finishing up uh, the minds behind the Genesis and the minds behind the PlayStation uh, books. I also wanted to say like the books are available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart, all those places too. However... If you order through me, I do a bunch of cool things. So, like, um, let's just say hypothetically, like, Rob bought the book from me um, off of my site. I'll get an email that'll say, oh, Rob just, you know, purchased the book. And I'll get his email address and his address and stuff like that. And I will personally email him and be like, all right, Rob, so you're you're from you're from New York. You're a Mets fan, a Yankees fan, Knicks, Nets, Islanders, Rangers, blah, blah, blah. I'll start a conversation with him. And I'll sneak in a couple, of, like, baseball cards in his book, like, <laughs> nice. bookmarks, all sorts of cool stuff. And... Um, and I'll obviously like sign the book, but that's like, I want to have a relationship with my readers that like a lot of authors don't. I've been to so many bad book signings over the years where it's just like, yeah, sign, go sign the book, go. I never want to do that to my readers. So, I mean, I've put in like, I had a person buy a book the other day from California and I put a Wally Joyner rookie card in there. <laughs> like, the card was like 30 bucks. I was just like, you know what? They'll, they're a big Angels fan. Boom. Wally freaking Joyner. There you go. Have a good one. <laughs> That's, that's fantastic I relationship with you guys so that's what it's about no, dude I, I feel the same way you know and I, what you described basically sounds like your average comic-con <laughs> in the pro in the pro aisle <laughs> but you know there's gems out there but you know i i think it's 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 building that relationship without a doubt oh my god pedro just pedro just read my mind because i was going to announce one of my my other favorite games of all time was mm -hmm. eternal darkness on gamecube have it right Damn. there Dude, that is that is like the ultimate uh lovecraftian uh yep. storyline and the way you play through the different eras was just unbelievable i caught uh, so back from some friends because i had a sealed copy of that game for about six years you opened and, it and they were like are you gonna open it and i'm like i'm going to one day because I, I had played through it um from blockbuster mm -hmm. i I had it for like two weeks and I finished it. And then I saw a sealed copy, like in a video game store, the guy was selling it for like 20 bucks. I'm like, this guy's a jacket. So I bought it and I just, I kept it sealed. And then, uh, they were, they were on me. They're like, are you going to open it? And I'm like, but I played it and beat it. And they're like, you want to play it again? I'm like, absolutely want to play it again. And then I ended up opening it and they were like, why'd you open it? I'm like, <laughs> open it. So it was, that's a great, that's a freaking great game. It's, it's one of the best games in terms of, I, I love how you go through the different time periods. It's just yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> May the rats eat your eyes. The darkness comes. That's fantastic. Yeah, the insanity meter. Oh my God. How she slowly loses her mind. All the characters lose their mind and everything like yeah. that. It's, it's unbelievable. So now you feel it now. I, I kind of see this stuff going on in all of media right now in terms of like movies and, and comics, but, 
there's an awful lot of remakes happening, you know, and that now don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I'm happy about some of them because one of my other favorite games of all time is the Resident Evil series and Resident Evil two and three and the, 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 the remake for GameCube are remarkable. And I enjoyed seven too and mm -hmm. four, but my favorite was Resident Evil three nemesis. And I think the Resident Evil two remake that came out recently is wow. Absolutely incredible. But how do you feel about all these remakes that's happening lately? It's just like, it, it's kind of like a microcosm of what's going on in Hollywood, you know? Because like, think of it this way. Imagine Hollywood the last like 15 years without any superhero movies. Yeah. Everyone's running out of ideas. Everyone wants to try and make as much money as possible. Like, And the thing is, they want to take an idea that they know is going to make some money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think because of that, Indie games is going to kind of be where, like, the next really big games are going to be. I mean, think of it now. Like, everyone's played Cuphead. Everyone yes. Played, you know, Minecraft, once upon a time, was an indie game. You know, yeah. you were talking about Max Payne before. Max Payne um, is owned by um, Rockstar now. But, like, once upon a time, that was a group of 30 guys in, in a basement in, you know, in Europe designing, designing Max Payne. You know, so it's like, I mean, you think about Activision. Activision was a splinter group of a bunch of guys from Atari that were like really pissed off that they weren't getting credit for their games. And they go and make Pitfall and they make a couple of other games. And then, then that company almost goes down the tubes. Then another guy buys it, starts building up the brand again. So it's like every company starts off as an indie company. So what we're probably going to see over the next five or 10 years is we're going to start to see another changing of the guard. Sega, once upon a time, if you would have told somebody mm. in like, Three, that Sega wouldn't be in the console industry anymore, they would go, what? If you would tell somebody that, like, in the span of 15 years that, like, Nintendo would have, like, three or four failed consoles, like the Virtual Boy, <laughs> the... I mean, the GameCube, great system, but not nearly, like, on the same level as, like, the PS1. And then, like, the mm. Wii U did mm. not sell nearly as well as the Wii. So, I mean, the only reason why Nintendo, like, is still, like, the powerhouse is because of, like, the Game Boy. You know, the Game Boy, the Game Gear Color, the Game Boy Pocket, the DS, the 3DS, like those, those are some of the best selling systems of all time. And the best part is like the Wii U, if you look at the Wii U, that's like kind of like the building blocks to the Switch. Exactly. If you look yeah. at the, and the Switch, I got the beta. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, the Switch is a marriage of all of the things that like Nintendo does well. They do great handheld games and they have a great lineup of first party games so now the switch has a great lineup of first party games but then it's also a handheld console and a home console at the same time so you know so we're gonna see over the next like five or six years the remakes people are gonna get old of them they're gonna get tired of it and you're gonna start to see a changing of, of the guard you're gonna start to see new companies coming out or older companies taking bigger risks and stuff like that so it's gonna be interesting yeah, yeah you're already... think... mm -hmm. oh no go ahead you already what no, there's going to be like a new uh, football game coming soon, a new NFL game from 2K. Like mm -hmm. uh, 2K is making a new golf game. You haven't seen a new golf game in a long time. Uh, Ukes doesn't make um, WWE games anymore. Like Saber Interactive is doing the new WWE Battleground. So all like these long-formed like constitutions in gaming, like there's only been one football game for a really long time. That's changing, you know? Mm -hmm. So things are going to start to change. The landscape is going to start to change a lot in the next couple of years. That's funny because I feel the same exact way with the comic book industry. You know, we've been getting the same kind of stuff. And uh, and I think now we're going to hit an indie boom. 
you know, it's going to be like a crash kind of like in the mainstream, but the indie people are going to start rising and you're going to see more risks taking in the indie market. And then eventually the mainstream is going to have no choice whether they like it or not. They're going to have to follow suit too. But that's how change happens. Could you imagine like DC and Marvel without like image? Right. Dark Horse, like Dark Horse and image came along and like totally shook up the industry. And that's how like you got DC went vertigo. You know, and how Marvel went max, and all of a sudden it's like now we're gonna have more. You know, uh, we're gonna have deeper storylines, and we're gonna have like hotter women and, and crazier storylines. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's like yeah. if you like Doc, if you don't have like Spawn, then you don't get like a character like Dokken. You know, like mm. there's all, like people have to take chances, and sometimes the people that have the money aren't willing to take the chances, but they'll watch somebody else try. And then when somebody else tries and they succeed, the people with the deeper pockets, then they try and do the same thing. And all of a sudden trends start to start to happen. So, yeah, no, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, and I love Dark Souls. That was going to be I don't know if I went over the my five, but like the Dark Souls series. Yeah, um, I, I just love the challenge. I love the monster designs. Like everything is a damn souls copy now. What do they even say? Like it's souls like that's yeah. the thing now. Souls like souls clone. I'm trying to find it right now. Let's see if I have it. I have way too much stuff in here. Is it the disc? Yes, but it's like the coolest version of the disc. Hold on one second. Is here it from go. like, what is it? Is This is Demon Souls. So this is like before. Oh my God, I love Demon Souls. But like, look, so Atlas sent me, this is a, this is the full disc, but this is a demo version of it Whoa. for PlayStation 2. And it actually says, it says PlayStation 2 on it, but uh, it says PlayStation 2 on it, but it's actually a PlayStation 3 disc. What? That's crazy. They sent this to me to review. Like, I will never, ever get rid of this. This is, like, the one of the first games that I was that was ever sent to me to review. But, like, I played Demon Souls, like, which is the father to Dark Souls, mm -hmm. before anybody ever played it. So, like, whenever you talk about like that, I'm like, yo, I was on board with this franchise before, like, anybody was. So, <laughs> That's yeah. amazing, man. That's amazing. White, little white folder, so... So, yeah. Do you get do you get nice little press copies sometimes? Because sometimes I go on eBay and I see some of these nice press kits. I'm like, why can't they make that the collector's edition? Because those they, press kits look nicer. Like, let me see really quick. Um, you were talking about Max Payne two before, so like I remember when Max Payne three came out, they actually sent me, like Rockstar actually sent me a Max Payne bullet, like, <laughs> you know, so. What? Have tons of this stuff but see the thing is like if you're a game critic you're never ever supposed to like sell any of this stuff mm -hmm. just you know it's like it's like the code you know um so i have all of it you know um if you're a game developer like you have all of this stuff and it's like you're supposed to like give it to people you know people that you know will appreciate it you're never supposed to like sell it so like whenever i go on ebay and i see something i'm just like wow like why would you ever get rid of that you know yeah but yeah, so I've got a lot of like little treasure, treasure trove thingies in here. So, because I love the I love the Bloodborne uh, press kits that went out. They're just absolutely incredible, like bound in leather and really nice. And I, I'm not gonna lie, when I do my Indiegogo for the Blood Realm Omnibus, yeah. I'm gonna go all out like that because I yeah. love those little touches. It's so important to the immersion and like the experience Absolutely. of opening it up. You know, you know the deal. Absolutely. There was an X-Files game that came out like two years ago and like they actually sent me like a packet and it looked like an FBI like file kit. <laughs> yeah. 
like announcing the game and everything, it looked like something out of like the X Files TV show, and it was like written like from Mulder to Scully and stuff. And I was just like, this is so freaking cool. So like, yeah, you're absolutely right. All of those small touches, they go super super long way. Oh man, that's great. All right, well, dude, this has been great. Uh, real quick, if you guys any, I have one more question for Patrick because we went over a little bit. But if you have any more questions or any comments, feel free to just drop them in. So, what which developer are you most excited about? You mean like a person, or you mean like a company? Uh, let, let's say okay, let, we could do two. So, what company right now? Well, maybe maybe the same company then. So, you know, they may be tied together, but are you seeing what they're doing? And you're like, yes, like this is this is definitely they're doing something different. They're doing something innovative. You know, um, like who's really got you excited by what they're working on and the way so they're like, doing? It? I talked to a lot of developers that like um, made games when I was a kid that um, the average person may not know or um, or they made games that like you played as a kid. That you, that you don't know who the developer is and stuff like that. It's part of like the whole lore of books that I write, you know? Um, there's a company out there called Retro Ninja, and uh, they're making a game right now. Um, it's been announced called RDRA, Project RDRA. Um, you guys should look it up. It's really cool. Um, but the guy making the game, his name is Tony Barnes. So um, he has worked as a assistant producer, developer on like all of like the Desert Strike, Jungle Strike, Soviet Strike, like Urban Strike, all of those games. Um, he's worked on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Xbox, uh, Star Wars Episode Three. Uh, he did a great Star Trek game on PC. He's been in the video game industry for like thirty five years, and um, he just went indie about like six months ago. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to see like the stuff that he comes up with. Cause he's like a total gameplay guy. So all of his games are going to look good, but they just play really well. So it's like, if you guys remember like Buffy on Xbox, like the fact that you could like kick a broomstick and then it turns into a stake and then you could stab a vampire. It was just like so freaking cool. Like he thought of all of those things. So I'm really excited to see like the games that Tony comes up with in like the next couple of years. So retro Ninja, they're a company that I'm super excited to see. And it's a one man, it's a one man band. It's a one, one guy doing everything all by himself. So like whenever he posts something on YouTube, I always share it. Cause I have so much like faith in like his ability and like, um, in his passion. So we were talking about that before passionate passion is something that we connect to. Um, there's another guy out there. His name's Lauren Lemke. Um, and his dad used to work at a claim back in the day. Um, and he made this game called super blood hockey on the uh, Nintendo Switch. It's on PS4 and stuff like that. But it's basically like Blades of Steel, uh, <laughs> NBA, and Mortal Kombat had a baby. Oh, hell um, yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's an amazing game. He makes great stuff. Super Blood Hockey is actually featured in the upcoming sports book. He tells the whole behind-the-scenes story of how that all came to be. But that's an indie game that, like, everyone needs to play, Super Blood Hockey. Um, there's, there's a lot of – there's like, we, we could have a whole two-hour – about games that i'm excited about you know um if you guys have ever played west of loathing it's a no, it's an rpg i've never heard of these it's an rpg that has stick figure graphics all of the characters are made out of stick figures it's probably the best written rpg that i've played in years it's absolutely hilarious like you go to like a carnival and you act like the clown like oh does the balloon float and the clown goes oh they all float down here you know and like you go to like the church and you walk by the pews and your character goes pew 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 like it's it's completely stupid, witty, funny, but it's an amazing RPG. So like there's so many great indie games out now. Like Mega Cat Studios. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them before, but I like they made, 
they make Genesis games now. Like they they make games that you can actually play on your Genesis. So like they've made they made a great beat 'em up called Coffee Crisis. Um, they've made a whole bunch of great games that play on your Sega Genesis. They make the actual carts. They come in in boxes with instruction manuals, the whole nine yards. So it's like what? there's so many. There's so many great people doing amazing things out there that I, I mean I could talk all day about. Wow. So you're saying that there's people in the chat right now who still have their Sega Genesis. There's somebody out there who's making games for it right now. Yep. Yep. There's actually um there's actually a company out there right now that's making a Game Boy RPG called Dragonborn. Um that looks a lot like it looks it borrows some from like the Pokemon Battle Engine. But it has a lot of like uh, Dragon Warrior in it and stuff like that. But it's a brand new Game Boy RPG. Like there's some great stuff going on out there. You just have to look. Go on Twitter. Go on Discord. Go on Instagram. There's so many amazing developers out there doing crazy stuff right now. That's I think that is the coolest thing. The fact that these guys can make cartridges for those old systems yep. and they work. Yep. Like, that's super exciting. Great. Yeah. So, oh wow! I have I have coffee crisis right here. There we go. It's coffee. Crisis. Oh my god! And it comes with the whole original style box. Yep. Guys, you you guys see this? <laughs> this is sick. So, and they, they, and, they make NES games too. So they made like a Halloween like they made a game that's like kind of like Punch Out, but it's all like monsters, creepy brawlers. It's a lot of fun. I love so, it. I absolutely love that. Uh, Nintendo Switch, too. So you could download them on Nintendo Switch, or you can actually buy the physical copy. So you've got so many, like, again, you got somebody like Tony that that designed games on these old retro consoles, but he's making games of today using today's technology. And then you right. have people like Mega Cat that are making old games new again. You know, there's so many great things going on in the retro game community right now. Dude, I would never have known. Uh, I would never have known that. It's, the Splintering said, uh, "Yeah, new Dreamcast and Atari." What Dude, really? Yeah. yeah. Dude, if I get to dust off my Dreamcast, that <laughs> would be exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's like made, um, not Tiny Barbarian, uh, Volgar the Barbarian for for Dreamcast. They made a Dreamcast port for it. Uh, Ed Fry is like years ago. He made the ha the Halo the version of Halo for the Atari twenty six hundred. He did a version of Halo for Atari. Yeah, and it's amazing. Oh my god! You never heard this before? I never heard this. Coffee Crisis yeah. goes on sale on the Switch uh, eShop pretty regularly. Okay, I'll check that out. Awesome on the Switch. So I prefer it on the Genesis, but it's great on the Switch too. I own it on the Switch too. And that, that game is featured in the Minds Behind the Adventure game. So I talked to them about Coffee Crisis, how they came up with the idea, why they make Genesis games. So. That is that. That's incredible. Uh, I love that. I love that guys are doing that and they're playable. It's not just like for show and display. Like, no, you're gonna take the cartridge, you're gonna blow on it to get the dust out, and you're yep. gonna put it in the system. They're, they're, again, I'm not, and I'm not tooting their horn because I like them, which I do. But like, I mean, it's a pretty cartridge, you know. So clean as hell board. You don't have to blow on it. Nothing. I mean, there's even like in the cart they have the little Mega Cat like logo in there. Like, there's oh my God. like tender love and care that went into that went into this so when you buy one of their games it's totally worth it you know no, it's, it's worth supporting them for sure because just for that alone uh to relive that experience with something new mm -hmm. that adds a whole new layer that's Absolutely. great 
That's great, man. Well, I I'm going to put their stuff in the, in the description too. What are they called again? They're called uh, Med uh, Mega Cat Studios. Mega Cat. Mega Cat Studios, yeah. And then, like I said too, uh, Tony is uh, retro is RetroNinja.com. So that project, RDRA, looks freaking amazing. He he not only designed the game, but he did the entire score himself as well. Like one man, imagine one man banding a modern game today. Like that's how cool this guy is. You know, dude, that's incredible. I respect that because I just well, first off, I do everything on Blood Realm. So like, whenever I hear someone does everything, I'm like, dude, I feel your plight. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel the tr the struggle and and the passion too, you know, because it's your vision. And I'm, yep. I I just started playing this horror game. I've been doing a horror game series. If people want to check it out, uh, my cousin, I make him sit through it because he absolutely hates horror games. So his reactions are fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> so we were playing Home Sweet Home, which is terrifying. I highly yeah. recommend it if you like uh like Asian horror. Yeah, uh, but there's a game called Infliction, which uh, I'm a little bit too frightened to play right now. Uh, oh. It's got a PT feel. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's one guy. It's just one dude. Awesome. It's unbelievable. So yep. it's really great to hear that people are doing stuff like that. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was great. I'd love to talk to you once we kind of find out what's going on with next gen, maybe like the launch. We could talk about how we think it went because that would be a blast. Sure. Yeah, I would love to talk. And if I could just say uh, one more thing, like I, like I Please. said, um, com forward slash books um if you guys want to order but also too like i'm on instagram at patrick hickey jr i post pictures from this room all the time i post like daily quests like i love to interact with people like i'll post box art and go oh what do you think of this game and i want to interact with people i want to have conversation um so yeah reach out to me that's that's what it's supposed to be about it's supposed to be, be about having conversations a lot of the games that ended up in these books were based on conversations that i've had with people like croc yes one wouldn't have gotten in the minds behind the adventure games if one of my readers didn't say, oh, you know what? Like, you should try and find the guy that did Croc. And I did. I did the interview and I put it in the book. So the more you guys interact with me, the better my books get and the better, like, the experience gets for you guys. And that's basically why I do this. Like, you you do comics so you can interact with people and you can tell stories that they can get something out of. And for me, it's finding these developers and allowing these developers to tell their stories so this way you guys connect more with video games that you grew up and loved. That's my whole, that's my goal. That's fantastic, man. Well, that, that's great. And I, I'm sure everyone's going to appreciate it. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I, I really appreciate you guys, you guys coming in and listening and uh, keep gaming and uh, stay healthy out there. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks, guys. Take care, Patrick. Thank you.